Church, hola, Iglesia. I am so glad that we get to be here today. I know many students have already started back at school, and for some of us, our New Year's resolutions are already a bust, but wherever you're coming from, whoever you are, I am so glad that you are here today. My name is Megan. I get the honor and the privilege of being the middle school resident here, so I get to work with students and other people who love students. And you might have heard John mention TCTC. It was a blast. 150 people in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, worshiping God. It was great. And it was particularly special for our church because our very own Adam Prophet, our family team lead here, he was asked to be the design chair. He was the creative eye, the mastermind behind TCTC, if you will. Would you join me in giving Adam a round of applause? Yeah. And hey, I am so glad that we get to be here today because we are continuing our series, You Are Here. Pray like this. And the premise of this series is simple. No matter what situation you are facing in life, there's a way that you can go deeper with God in prayer. However you are stuck when it comes to prayer, there's wisdom in the Bible that can help you move forward in your prayer life because God's word anticipates the challenges and the hazards that life throws our way. And the Bible gives us the necessary tools to stay connected to God through prayer, even in the most difficult of circumstances. You might remember that last week, Ethan took us back to prayer school. We had uh, that tiny little desk up here on stage and it was way too small for Ethan. And we looked at the Lord's prayer last week and the Lord's prayer is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So we looked at that too. And I encourage you, if you haven't seen it, go rewatch that. The sermon is online on our website or sometime open up to Matthew chapter six and you'll find the Lord's prayer right there. We also saw that the Bible gives us two common ways, two common patterns for a prayer life. The first that Ethan mentioned was that the moments of our lives can be saturated with prayer in response to the circumstances of our day. And number two, we can have specific and regular sustained times of prayer. Last week, Ethan focused on the second one, but I don't know why he started with the second one because today we are jumping back to the first one, learning how we can pray no matter what the circumstance is in our life. And this is where I feel the most stuck when it comes to prayer. I feel stuck because I fail to make the time to pray. I get so busy, I get caught up in all the things I'm doing, the places I'm going, the people I have to see, and prayer just becomes an afterthought sometimes. I'm always moving, I'm always going, I'm always doing things, except when it comes to my prayer life, it's not moving, it's stuck. Busy mornings are a testament to the lifestyle I lead. A morning looks like this. 
I wake up on my fifth alarm, I fly down the stairs, make a cup of coffee, rummage through the laundry, trying to find matching socks. I hop in my car and I forget something, so I go back inside and then I get back in my car and think, I forgot to pray. But then I also realize that I forgot to pray the day before too. And then it becomes this vicious cycle, doesn't it? You have a list that might surpass mine. You have stuff to get done, you have businesses to run, you have students to teach, homework to do, friendships to prioritize, kids to feed, numbers to crunch, and before you know it, you gotta pick your parakeet up from gymnastics and you gotta go home because the cat department called because the fireman stuck up in the tree and our lives are filled with busy things, isn't it? And I, I know this busy life all too well. I'm in grad school, I work two jobs, I have friendships and relationships to keep up with, Finding chunks of time to pray can be tight. And I don't know what your day looks like. Maybe it looks something like mine or a little different. But we are here, we're busy, we have so much going on. You are here. Pray like this. You are busy, pray like, well that's actually what we're gonna be talking about today. How do we pray when we are busy? How do we be prayerful people who also happen to be busy? Amidst all the busyness, I am so glad that you decided to join us today. You are in the right spot as we are gonna dive in and take a little bit of a closer look at prayer. And there's a guy in the Bible who I think would match us in our busyness, and he might even surpass us. His name is Nehemiah. You might not have heard of Nehemiah before, but he's a great person to learn from when it comes to prayer. There is no guy busier than him, and we see that he prays all throughout his day. And I think Nehemiah just might be the perfect person for us to learn how we can be busy people who are also prayerful people. The first thing you need to know about Nehemiah is that he's one of the shortest people in the Bible. His name is Nehemiah, after all. Okay. Uh, just kidding, that's made up. Anyway, you can find Nehemiah's story conveniently in a book in the Bible called Nehemiah. You can open up in your paper Bible, you can open it up in your browser or in a Bible app, and we're gonna dive in. The book of Nehemiah is set about 400 to 500 years before Jesus. It was right after the Jews had gotten out of exile after being captured by the Babylonians. Some Jews stayed, but most actually returned home to Judah. But the sad thing is, is that when they got to Judah, they saw that their beloved homeland, their beloved city was destroyed, it was plundered. The people felt lost, they had no walls for protection or defense. And just when you see the place you love in shambles, it can really hurt the morale of anyone, really. Meanwhile, in the empire of Persia, there's a king named King Artaxerxes and he had an advisor named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was highly trusted, highly respected, and another part of his job was that he was a cupbearer to the king. So before the king ate or drank any of his food, Nehemiah would eat and drink the food just in case it was poisoned. And we know this to be true, every job has its downsides. Nehemiah, his downside was that he might die. The upside though is that he's the second most powerful man in Persia. So I would say that's pretty neat, maybe an overall net positive. 
Anyway, Nehemiah, he was also Jewish. And when word got back to him that his beloved city was in shambles, we're actually told that he mourns. He mourns for days. He weeps, he fasts, he prays. And although we don't have time to spend here with the mourning Nehemiah, I know that maybe some of you might be in mourning today. And if that is you, I encourage you to go back to the first chapter of Nehemiah, read that chapter, allow the words of a fellow person in mourning bring you some comfort and company today. But the painful thing is is that even when we are still mourning, we have to get back to our busy lifestyle sometimes. And so maybe our friend Nehemiah can offer some wisdom into how to do that. In Nehemiah 2, it starts out, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I hadn't been sad in the king's presence before and the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can't be anything but sadness of the heart. Have you ever had one of those days where you're really, really sad and you don't want anyone to notice that you're really sad, but everybody notices that you're sad? Nehemiah was having one of those days. He said, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, let him send me back to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Did you catch it? Did you catch the prayer lesson? Nehemiah just took us to prayer school. And for the plot of the story, it matters to us what his request is. But for us, before we get distracted, I want you to see what we just learned about prayer. Nehemiah can fit a prayer into the length of a breath, in between a question and an answer, in between circumstance and a response, in between fear and action, Nehemiah prays. Look back at verse four with me. The king asks a question, Nehemiah prays, and then Nehemiah answers. This means that if Nehemiah can fit a prayer in between a question and a response, then prayer can fit anywhere. You are here. Pray like this. You are busy and prayer can fit anywhere. I love how Nehemiah's prayer, it's not even verbalized. The king might never have even known that Nehemiah prayed. And if we read too quickly, we also might miss that he prayed. The king said to me, what is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. It's right there in between the question asked and the response given. And imagine if our lives were modeled after this. If whenever we asked a question, we prayed before we responded. What if we prayed as we opened the door to that super important meeting or I bet you could even pray as you walk your dog. Uh, I bet you could pray right before you start your homework and you know, maybe even as the cashier is swiping your groceries, you could pray for the cashier in that moment. And wow, what a blessing it would be in my own life if I took each of these types of little moments to pray 
praying throughout the day would bless me so much. And maybe, just maybe, I would start to recognize God working in my ordinary, everyday life just a little bit more. And praying throughout the day could bless all of our lives. It could really alter the way that we all live. We could be busy people who are also prayerful people. All of the things that we experience in our day, it is meant to prompt us to pray. We have something stressful pop up, you're prompted to pray. You're feeling overwhelmed, you're prompted to pray. All of these things in our life can be little nudges towards prayer. And that's it. That is how we pray. We let the circumstances of our day drive us to pray. Thinking back to my busy mornings, um, I could pray as I'm driving to class or maybe even as I brush my teeth. I could use that as a prompt to pray or maybe I could use my morning cup of coffee as my visual reminder, my visual cue to pray. When I feel overwhelmed about all that I have going on in a day, I could be prompted to pray. The circumstances of our day can drive us to pray. And I know this because I've seen it in my own life. A few years ago, I had 8 a.m. classes every single weekday. And I know so many of you get up much earlier than that for work and other things, but for a student, it's just particularly a struggle and you'll have to trust me on that one. I found myself uh, that my only objective was getting to class on time. It became burdensome my mornings trying to make that happen. And I found that I just was missing prayer altogether. But I knew that my circumstance was is that I had to walk from my room to class every single day. And on the way down, there is a mountain that I could see, Buffalo Mountain, on my way. And I decided every time I see that mountain, that mountain isn't going anywhere, so I can use that mountain. Every time I see it, I'm going to pray. I let the circumstance of walking down to class drive me to pray. The mountain became a visual reminder, a visual cue for me in that moment, and it became the staple of my prayer life. And what I love now is that even as I'm driving, if I see Buffalo Mountain, which you can see pretty much anywhere in Johnson City, I instinctively begin to pray. I trained my heart and God uses that training. I know that it's possible because I experienced it firsthand. I made Buffalo Mountain my reminder and maybe you could do that too. Steal that one from, free, from me, feel free. But what is something you could use in your day that could prompt you to pray? Maybe it is whenever you pick up your car keys. Maybe it is whenever you take your dog for a walk or maybe it is when you reach the bottom of your coffee cup. Maybe it's as you walk into the classroom every day, you could pray as you walk through the door, as you pack your kids' lunches. What is your opportunity to pray? What is your circumstance that you could decide to use for prayer? You are here, pray like this. Let the circumstances of your day drive you to pray. And that's what Nehemiah did when he had to go request permission to go rebuild Judah. He let the intimidating question and the scary circumstance drive him to prayer. 
And the king does grant this request to go rebuild his home city. He actually even offers protection and help while he goes. So all of a sudden, Nehemiah becomes this large-scale project coordinator. He's giving orders, he's troubleshooting, he's coming up with plans, backup plans, backup to the backup plans. And this isn't just like a little landscaping project, this is a huge deal. And I couldn't even imagine what he's going through. And sometimes I think I'm busy. I got nothing on Nehemiah. And as if this coordinating, this building project just wasn't stressful enough, he began to run into some other issues. In Nehemiah 4, when Sambalat heard that we were building the wall, he became angry and raged. He mocked the Jews, saying in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the pile of rubble even though they are burned? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, added, even if a fox climbs on whatever they build, their walls of stone will crumble. So, some neighboring warlords, they were worried about the growing power of Judah, and they decided to start harassing Nehemiah, kind of pushing him around, trying to push his buttons, and Nehemiah doesn't take it so well. He is as mad as a snake, and his response shows it. He's so mad, and he knows what to do. He prays. He prays, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Don't cover up their guilt. Don't blot out their sin from your sight, for they've thrown insults in the face of the builders. We could say, whoa there, Nehemiah, that doesn't really sound like a prayer now, does it? He's praying this way because he's angry. And we know that sometimes it's the busiest people who can get the most angry easily, and when his rage was bubbling to the top, what overflowed was prayer. He let the circumstances of his day, the emotions he felt, drive him to a place of prayer. Instead of lashing out, he chooses to pray. And instead of snapping at them or sassing them, he chooses to pray. He took his worry to God and then got back to work. And that is something beautiful we could do too. And there are many days in our life where we find ourselves angry and we can bring our anger to God. Even if it's an angry prayer, God can take it. And if that's what brings you to prayer, then pray an angry prayer. You are here. Pray like this. You are busy and upset. Let the emotions of your day prompt you to pray. Our friend Nehemiah, he was surrounded by a bit of turbulence and Nehemiah and his crew, they just kept facing obstacle and opposition. And Nehemiah does what he does best. He just keeps living on a prayer and he'll make it, I swear. Yet again, Nehemiah faced just backlash from some enemies, and they were provoking him any way that they knew how. In Nehemiah 6, when word came to Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, they, meaning the angry warlords, and the rest of the enemies that I, ha and the rest of the enemies that I had rebuilt, and the wall had not a gap left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set doors to the gates. Sambalot and Geshem, they sent this message to me. 
Come, let's meet together on the plains of Anno. They were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. I can't really go down. Why should I stop the work and leave it and go down for you? Four times they sent me this message and every time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalot sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it to be true, that you and the Jews are plotting a revolt, and therefore you're building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. And you've even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. Now this report, it's gonna get back to the king, so come. Let us meet together. And I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making this up out of your own head. They were trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it won't be completed. But watch how Nehemiah lets his circumstance drive him to prayer. They said to me, Nehemiah, their hands will get too weak for the work and it won't be completed. But I prayed, God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. When others mocked Nehemiah, when they tried to bring him down or discourage him, when he was underestimated, he prayed to God and asked God to strengthen his hands. And Nehemiah recognized that all of his best efforts, all of his strength came from God. Strengthen my hands. Oh God, strengthen my weary hands. What if this was the reaction that we felt whenever we were weary? whenever we are tired, when we think our tank is empty, I'm running on fumes, I have nothing left to give. What if this was our prayer? And there are moments where I know that feeling all too well. I have overcommitted in my jobs, I have exams and tests coming up, and they all manage to align into one week of just mental agony. And then I feel like all I did was complain to the people closest to me. I felt guilty because then I was a bad friend, a bad coworker, a bad daughter, a bad sister, bad girlfriend. And it's in, that, it's in those moments where if I could say, God, strengthen my hands, that would mean I would be declaring my place with God. I would be declaring that God is my rock, that God is my sustainer, that God is my source of strength. And when you get home and the dishes are piled a mile high, it's way past the kid's bedtime, when you have a paper due at midnight and it's 11 p.m., when you feel underappreciated at work or like you're stuck in a rut, when you've been a faithful caregiver to a loved one during a very hard stage, when you don't have time or energy for sustained prayer, no time for coloring, Ethan, what if in those moments we say, God, strengthen my hands? It's in those moments that we can choose to pray and it's a bold prayer. We can let the circumstances of our day drive us to pray. Nehemiah's tiredness led him to prayer. And it shows that God can take our tired, weary, sleepy, aching selves and God can do something with it. God can use it. God can use it to deepen our connection with God.
Around that time that they finished construction, Nehemiah delivered a long prayer on behalf of Judah. And so we see Nehemiah can pray for long and sustained times. And last week, we mentioned that there were two models we see in scripture on how to pray. Number one, how to let the circumstances of your day drive you to pray. And number two, how to have regular and sustained times of prayer. And this week, we see that Nehemiah is our model for number one on how to let the circumstances of our day drive us to pray. And for Nehemiah, the short prayers are what got him through the day. It's the prayers found in the gaps that sustained him. You are here. Pray like this. You are busy. Pray to be sustained. Even when Nehemiah's giant rebuilding project was finished, he had a lot of stress. He still had a long to-do list. And you know when you get home and you're about to go to bed and right before your head hits the pillow is when you remember everything you have to get done, all the emails you have to send, all the phone calls you still need to make, the bills you gotta pay, schoolwork you gotta get done. It just all seems to happen in that moment. And I think it's funny because I imagine that that's kind of what's going on in Nehemiah's head. And as Nehemiah's story is beginning to the come, as it's beginning to come to a close, it's as if he suddenly remembers his entire to-do list of everything he has to get done. So it looks like he starts to write it all down. In Nehemiah 13, so I purified the priests and the Levites of everything foreign, and I assigned them their, their duties, each to his own task. I also made provisions for contributions of wood at designated times, ooh, and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, my God. As the story is wrapping up, it's as if Nehemiah is sitting in his bed thinking, ooh, gotta remember about the wood, gotta remember about the provisions, ooh, and the first fruits. Remember me, oh God. I can imagine this might be the very last thing he says at the end of a wild day. Remember me with favor, my God. This is the prayer of an anxious person. This is the prayer of someone who wonders if their life and their work matter. We, whenever we find ourselves in an anxious place, a doubting place, an uncertain place, when we find ourselves at a loss for words or even just too tired for words, we can breathe. Remember me. My God, remember them, my God. Remember us, my God. We can use this prayer as a way to pray for others. All the many names on your list. Remember mom and dad, oh God. Remember Sarah, oh God. Remember that person who cut me off in traffic even, or remember that person who prevented me from finishing that important task. Remember them with favor, oh God. Every breath and every prayer reconnecting you to a trustworthy God. And this is my challenge for you today, is to pick that thing that will prompt you to pray. Steal Buffalo Mountain if you want to, by all means. Or maybe it is when you pick up your car keys or when you walk through the classroom door. Maybe it's when you give your kids a hug or whenever you're walking down the hallway and you see pictures of your family on the wall. What is it in your life 
that will instinctively prompt you to pray. What my challenge is for you to do this week is to pick that thing, pick that one thing, and every day when you experience that circumstance this week, that thing that you choose, pray. Pick something that will prompt you to pray, and then whenever you experience it or whenever you see it, pray. I went to Nehemiah because I needed to learn how to pray busy. And I also probably need to learn how to be less busy too. But while I work on that, I also wanted to learn how to pray. And based on what I see in the book of Nehemiah, I think he would say this to us today. You are busy. Pray like this. Let the circumstances of a busy life intersect with the compassion of a sovereign God and turn every breath into a prayer. Between the moments of your day, pray. Between all the many things on your to-do list, pray. When you feel anger or stress, pray. When you feel exhausted, pray. When the work is unending and you need to keep going and your breath is labored and heavy, on every breath, pray like Nehemiah, Lord, strengthen my hands. Because that sounds like the prayer of a busy person, doesn't it? And when you realize that busyness isn't what secures your value, and you realize you'll never get done everything you need to get done, at best it's all temporary, and you find that everything depends on the sovereignty of God, you can breathe deeply at the end of a day. Remember me, oh God. Remember us, oh God. Pray for all of the people in your life, the many names on your list. Remember Christy with favor, oh God. Remember David with favor, oh God. These are the prayers that keep us connected to God. Ethan talked last week about the importance of setting aside time for extended prayer, and we see that Nehemiah did that too. But today, Nehemiah shows us what to do when we're busy. You are busy. Pray like this. Let the circumstances of your day drive you to pray. And let's all do this right now. Let's pray together. God, strengthen our hands. Remember us with favor, oh God. Amen.